Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hello, everybody. I'm Gina Caminetti. I'm Pastor Joe's wife, and I get to serve on the lead team here at Believers. We are in week number two of our powerful series, Hello, Neighbor. And we have a really, really cool day planned for you. First, I want to give a huge shout out to our BC Boardman campus. You are in week number two of your soft lunch, and you are heading full steam ahead to your grand opening. And to the gentlemen at TCI, we are so happy you're with us. And to all of you who are watching live stream, we are so glad you're with us too. Can we give them all a big round of applause and let them know we're glad that they're joining us too? Welcome. Today, we are going to talk about and focus on something that is very, very near and dear to the heart of God, and it's something that each and every one of you are probably putting into practice every single day, but maybe overlooking that, the importance of it, something that makes God smile. And we're going to talk today about how to impact the lives of children James 1.27, and this will be the main scripture we're focusing on today, and we're just going to really, really open up the implications of it. It says that religion, which is pure and without fault, is to look after the widow and the orphan. All right? Now, I don't know what you think of religion. Some people like the, the word religion. Some people hate the word religion. But God has a definition for the good kind of religion, and it's pure and without fault when we do the practical things of looking after the people who cannot help themselves. And children are included in that. And so uh, I don't know if you know this, but 86% of the people who come to know Christ will do so by the age of 18 which is a phenomenal thing. So that means that as we are spending time showing the love of Christ to people under that age, we are making a huge, huge difference for God. And that's something he smiles about. But we're busy. We all have a lot going on. And so sometimes it's hard to step into more and more and more of that. So we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But I can't think of a better way to start this than to honor the people that right here at BC are really, really serving children. So we're going to flash some pictures up. Uh, these are the people that probably aren't even in here right now because they're probably working with the kids right now here at BC Boardman as well. And these are the people that week after week, month after month, year after year, they are working with your children, my children, and they are such, such, such a blessing. Can we honor them? We honor you today. Can we give them a big round of applause? We honor you and we thank you. When you see them uh, in the lobbies, in the hallways, would you just thank them? Because they are doing us such a wonderful, wonderful job. All right, so here we are. We have an amazing panel. They have each been invited here today because they have a very unique way that they have uh, blessed children's lives. So without further ado, would you guys introduce yourselves and say why uh, your relationship to children is unique? Because I still am one. Uh, my name is Brent Mager, and uh, God blessed me with a beautiful wife, Diane. And we were fortunate enough to adopt three children, and each of them were uh, 
born from parent, biological parents that uh, abuse drugs and alcohol. I'm Lori Cathers. I'm Pastor Graham's wife. He's the pastor of the Boardman campus. I'm helping develop the kids' ministry there. I am also mom to three adult sons, two beautiful daughter-in-laws, and one and a half grandchildren. So um, I'm also an MST therapist with Homes for Kids. I help parents whose kids are starting to get some out of control, scary behaviors, especially teenagers. Uh, so that's what I do during the week. My name is Stacy Forensic. I am the community liaison recruitment specialist at Trumbull County Children's Services. One of my job titles is recruitment specialist and I seek out foster families in different ways. Um, I open up the conversation with people who are interested about what fostering is, uh, what it looks like, who the children that we bring into our custody who need, who need placement are. Um, I'm also the mother of two handsome, bright boys. And I'm Gina Caminetti. I may look a lot like someone else on this panel. We may or may not be twins. Um, I have four adult children. I have two amazing grandchildren. And uh, Pastor Joe and I have both been involved for many years with the Big Brother, Big Sister program. So we've been bigs, as we are called, for lots of years. So we love kids. All right. So you might think that when somebody uh, has a, some of the spectacular stories like you're going to hear today, uh, you might think, oh, they must have always known that they would work with children. But that's not always the case. So I want you guys to talk about how you got to working with kids, because sometimes it's through observing the pain of others, and sometimes your own pain drives you into the things you do. Well, I didn't want children. Um, and then I met a guy, fell in love, got married, had two, had two kids. The one thing that threw me for the loop, though, was my husband had a mental illness. It was hereditary. Um, after my second son, our second son was born, he, he stopped managing it as well as he should have. And his behaviors became erratic. Uh, and, and it was an unsafe home environment for my children. At that point, I needed to recognize what was going on and the cycle needed to be stopped. So I pursued separation and then divorce. And my boys, throughout this whole thing, they didn't understand what was going on, you know, and I tried to explain to them, Daddy Stinker's sick. Um, but it went six weeks without hearing from him to, because he was in different facilities for both mental health and that became an addiction as well. And then it went to three months and then six months. Um, the kids worked, you know, they got to see him eventually and he was doing better and then he wasn't. Um, and the story is very common. So he did die of a drug overdose, so then it went from treating the kids with the separation of their father to being able to take them through this grief process that they're going through and they will go through for their whole life. So when I saw that there was a position at Trumbull County Children's Services to help foster children, I saw so much in these foster children, what their needs were what my own children's needs are. They've gone through a lot of the same experiences, not quite the same, but a lot of the same experiences with grief and the separation of a, of a parent. And I just, I, I knew that maybe I could start advocating for them like I advocated for my own sons. And I just 
think this is extraordinary to begin with, but then to add to that, Stacy's firstborn son uh, has a form of high-functioning autism. So it's an extraordinary uh, story, really, when you think about it. So one thing I really love about your story is it shows that adults, we as adults impact children whether we do it intentionally or not, and whether we impact them either positively or negatively. So my story, Gina, is a little bit of my own experience and a little bit just frankly of watching other kids and what they went through. And Gina, you're going to remember this story, but I want to just share. When we were in junior high, we used to take the bus, and there was a new student that came to our school, really nice kid, smart, good-looking, but he had a deformity in his hand where he was missing a couple of his fingers. So some of the mean boys on the bus picked up on that immediately, and they just started calling him names. But they also used to do cruel things to him. So I remember this one time, he was getting on the bus, and as he's getting on the bus, they grabbed him. Two of them held him down, and one held his mouth open, and the other one just started shoving gravel into his mouth, and I was just horrified and shocked. And I was really angry, and that would have been the perfect moment for an adult to do something, because he really needed some help. And I looked over at the bus driver, and the bus driver did absolutely nothing. And so this young man figured out really quickly in life that he kind of had to take care of himself. So his way of managing this and surviving was he figured if I can't beat him, I'll join him, right? So what he did was on the bus stop in the mornings, there was a 7-Eleven there. So he kind of became part of their gang and he'd go into the store and steal candy to give to all of them before they got on the bus. So, you know, the reason I mention that is because what would have his life been like if that bus driver would have done and what he needed to do and give that boy what he needed at that time, but it didn't happen. Now, for my own story, I was a bit socially awkward and a bit of a social misfit, so, but I had tons of really positive adults in my life. So it's funny the things I remember that made a difference for me. Um, I'll, I'll share two things real quick. One is we had this fantastic grandmother. In fact, she was a great grandma, but she wasn't a great grandma. She was just a great grandma. You know what I mean? So my grandmother, anytime I would call her, anytime I would talk to her, this is how she'd answer the phone. Lori! Every single time. And you better believe I knew I was loved. But this other person was a teacher. Um, and for this reason, I love teachers. When we were 15, we were going through a really difficult time in our family. And I remember walking in the uh, classroom door one day, and there was a teacher standing there. And, this is, and she wasn't a warm, fuzzy person, if you know what I mean. But this is all she said. Hey, what's going on with you? And me being a teenager, I just went, nothing. Because, you know, teenagers don't always like to talk, right? So then I just walked into class, and that was the end of it. But I left that experience feeling cared for. And here I am, four decades later, talking about it, right? So these are some of the reasons that I think it's important to get involved with kids. Yeah, so um, we can never underestimate, underestimate what one kind sentence might do to impact a child's life. Brent, you have quite a story. 
Um, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, you didn't necessarily see yourself as somebody who would adopt children. Tell us about it. I did not. Uh, my wife and I were married. I was 30, she was 28, and in our generation, that was considered late. But we both wanted kids. And six months into our marriage, my, our marriage, my very best friend asked us to be a, a witness for him for his adoption through Children's Services, a character witness. And as we're going through the interview, the, uh, the caseworker asked us, would you ever consider adopting? and a, a baby, and of course my wife looks at me and goes, yes. So she put us down and she said, well, uh, to adopt a baby it's five to seven years. So, f fast forward, two miscarriages, and five years later, we get a call from Children's Services and they have a bouncing baby boy for us. And we named him Steven. So we're gonna see a picture of Steven. Now Steven is not a happy little guy right here. Tell all. us about that. Well, Stacy tells us that uh, it was because of uh, the drug and alcohol withdrawals that he was very, let's just say cantankerous. And uh, because of that, he was moved three, three times in, in foster cares because he would scream all day like the picture, like the picture showed. And so uh, what happened then is uh, Brent looks at Diane like, are we sure about this? And she goes, you better believe it. They bring Stephen home and take a look what happens on the very first day. Well, uh, he was like, he was screaming. We pick him up, we bring him home. And when we brought him in our house, his whole continent changed. We had mirrored tables down low to the floor. Not good for kids, I know. But uh, so he crawls over to the table, and I think you can see look on his face. He changed. He was home. Yeah, and this became his temperament. Just a happy little guy. And we have a picture of him with mommy here, too. And, and this was when the, within the first hour I took a picture of him. So amazing. So catch us up to speed. Uh, what did he later go on to do? Well, Stephen, at two years old, started playing Mario on computers. At three, he was reading books. One of his favorite books was the Bible, and he fell in love with Jesus and could talk about him on several different levels because he read it over and over and over again. And when he went to school, they decided, they determined that he was gifted by the testing. And he would always test out two to three grades above himself, above his grades. Um, and at 12, he wrote his own website. Uh, for Dragon, a game, I don't know if you remember, called Dragon Ball Z. And it's still up there, by the way. And uh, he loved to write short stories. All right, so now they have their little boy. And Brent's pretty happy. And what happens next? Well, um, another miscarriage happened in eight years. And through some friends and uh, situations that happened, we had the ability and the opportunity to adopt a little girl. And she was in Russia in an orphanage. Okay, so in the uh, orphanage in Russia, uh, these uh, little ones are treated pretty poorly if they have some issues physically. Explain that to us. Well, Lena was a failed abortion attempt. And, and to cut, top that off, her and her sister, which you'll, we'll talk about later, were both born with a, a birth defect called 
congenital band syndrome, which attacks their hands, such as uh, the young man that uh, Lori talked about. Their, their hands were uh, not right. And in Russia, uh, the Russian culture assimilates that if you have a, a physical problem, you also have a mental problem. So they treat you as you can't learn. So she wasn't treated very well at all in the, in the, uh, in, in the orphanage. She was uh, bullied a lot. She was uh, mistreated a lot and, and treated very harshly for correction. Like if she had a problem wetting the bed, they made her sleep on a cold slab, concrete slab, naked in a closet, locked the door. She's pushed down steps, you know, just the, the whole run of the mill bully situation. And Lena was taught that there was no God. The orphanage emphasized that there was no God. But even still, she felt so useless, not, a, you know, not even like a person. She would cry out to God, uh, send me a family. God, send me a family. So she's on the playground one day, and what happens? Well, uh, a gentleman comes and tries to steal her and her best friend, Sasha. And uh, she fought back. And if you know my daughter, Lena, that wouldn't surprise you at all. And during the process, she got shot and goes to the hospital. And what were they the, doing with the little orphans in those days? Well, they, they would still, thank you, they would steal the or, orphans and uh, sell them for body parts. You know, eyes, lungs, uh, kidneys, you know, anything that you can imagine. So uh, Lena is, her, her life has come pretty low. And uh, what happens next? Well, uh, we bring her home, and uh, she's on the couch reading with my, my wife. And uh, they're reading a children's Bible. And my wife's turning the pages. And as she's turning the pages, Lena catches, catches uh, this one picture, and she says, what's that? And my wife says, that's an angel. And my daughter says, no angel. And she says, Lena, that's an angel. She goes, no angel. She said, how do you know that's not an angel? She says, because angels don't have feet. And I saw one. And then she went on to explain that uh, while she was recovering from her, her um, being shot in the leg, that an angel appeared to her and said, fear not. I, you will have a family. And uh, so from that time on, she would, she would converse at night with God about having a family. Now, what's so interesting about this is she's told there's no God. She doesn't even really know what a family is. I want to encourage those of you who wonder, what about these people on the other side of the world who don't know about God? You know what? Pray. When they come to your mind, pray for them because God has ways of getting his love to them. And he found her, and yes, he, he introduced did. himself to her, didn't he? Yes, he did. So, uh, real quick, go down the list of what has she done. <laughs> well, Lena's an amazing girl. She's, uh, she's definitely a conqueror. She, uh, from the time she was able and, and old enough, she uh, would go on missions trips back to Russia and the orphanage and tell the orphans that there is a God, and then she would... She teaches, she still does, she teaches them on how to uh, assimilate into, into real life, how to keep a budget, how to have an apartment, how to, you know, make your bill, how to go to make your bills, how to, how to go out and have a job. And uh, in high school, she was uh, National Honor Society, and now she's about ready to graduate with her bachelor's degree in social work. 
and she works at Akron Children's Hospital, and she's about to start to teach English online to, to foreigners. She is amazing. I mean, it's just a stunning story. Okay, so now you got your boy, you got your girl, and Brent decides we're going to pay off the house. <laughs> is hey, that I, what happens? I, I'm 42 years old at this time. Not at this know? time, but I'm at that time. I'm not 42 now. <laughs> but <laughs> obviously, right. Um, well, this, hap this happened four years later, and thank God no more abortions. I mean, miscarriages. <laughs> All right, the reason Brent is getting that word confused because Lena was... Uh, a result Aborted. of a failed abortion, We've so sometimes the abortions. words get mixed up for them. But. That, that word flops around, I get it confused. So uh, my wife, after Lena came, people knew that she knew how to work through the paperwork of uh, making a Russian adoption. A lot of people contacted her, and uh, she stayed in contact with our caseworker, and people would send, uh, send tapes to help her facilitate so people... Uh, looking for adoptions could pick their child. Well, she got this tape that had all, was supposed to have all boys on it. But the last person on this tape was a little girl, sweet little girl, six years old. She's like this, and she's looking down and going like this. And my wife knew we had to have, we had to adopt this girl. So I didn't know that. I was out of town. She calls me and says, uh, honey, I have a surprise for you when you come home. <laughs> so I came home, and the surprise was Lexi on the tape. And she showed me. I knew in my heart I had to adopt her. But I got so mad, I threw the remote and went to bed. <laughs> All right, so uh, the house is probably still not paid off. I don't know. <laughs> what did Diane tell you when you were you know, griping about, hey, we got bills well, to pay, because she, she you had, me, one of the things they had done, which I think, I, I don't know if they'd brag about it, but I want to brag for them, uh, their daughters had these uh, issues with their mobility in their hands and flexibility, and each of the girls had seven or eight surgeries. Yes. So it, it cost some money. Yeah. But so my wife says, uh, <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> My wife says to me, we're in bed, and she goes, honey, when, when we get old, what are you going to want? Aren't you going to want these, these, precious little, these precious children growing into adults, or are you going to want a stack of money? I'm not telling you what I said at that time. <laughs> uh, maybe we could flash a few of the pictures up of this beautiful, gorgeous family. And what was going on for Lexi uh, when, when this was going on for you? Yeah. Lexi tells me that when she was in the orphanage that um, she, would, she was so hopeless by the way she was mistreated. She's bullied, the same thing, you know, mal malnutrition, the whole nine yards. She felt just totally hopeless. That's how she described it to me. She said, Dad, I'd look out, in, out the window in the clouds and I would say, not knowing if there was even a God, help me. And that's all she, she knew to do. But at night, she would go to bed and dream about a house. And uh, she had to dream about this house several, several, several times. And when, when we brought her home, she felt so safe because the house she dreamed of 
was the house we, we now have in Champion. And she felt so safe and felt that there was a God because she dreamed about our house. And it wasn't just the outside of the house. She was familiar with how to navigate inside the house, and Inside too. and out, she knew this house. It's amazing. So and amazing. And Lena, I mean, Lexi, uh, in, her, in her high school, she was class president. She was homecoming queen, and she worked on the yearbook. And now she's studying to be a physical therapist, and she wants to be a holistic doctor. She's a bodybuilder, too. She's just I, I don't awesome. talk back to her now. <laughs> what, what we want to really drive home today is what can we do in our busy lives to really lean into this? Because you can see this was not just something they saw coming. You know, um, what can we do to lean into uh, this stuff that we can do? How can we help? change lives and anybody anyone speak up on uh what are some practical things that we can do well i i think it's just the little things even seeing a child and making and giving them a nice compliment or a smile or a silly face i'm really good at some silly faces um we at, at children's services we have a mentoring program so even something along those lines if you can volunteer for an hour a week and just give some children the self-worth that they're, that they're worth something and spend time with them and be somebody in their life. Uh, there was a sibling group that we had, two brothers, in our permanent custody, and they needed to be separated and lived at different residences. And I met the one, the older brother, and he had no, no life in his face. His, he was so sad. And then through mentoring, his mentor was able to start spending time with him and then started taking him and his brother to baseball games and then on vacation. And now those boys are reunited. And when you see that boy's face now, it's like God like blew life into him. He's so full of joy. So our mentoring program is a great start. If, if you even, you don't need to foster, but maybe just a mentoring program just to give these, these kids something to fall back on. Um, and, and on another side, I, I think that educating yourself is really important. In, in the Connect group, we're going to be hosting in the month of October on Wednesdays. We're calling it's the What to the Why. It's Hot Topics. Um, we're going to go over trauma care, addiction, teens today, because we should understand our teens today. <laughs> and then um, also it's resources in the community. So we have so many uh, resources that we're going to make available through our Hot Topics in Parenting group. Um, come and visit us at the table. We're all going to be back there in the corner. Come and visit us and talk to us a little bit. We have a lot going on uh, about the ways that we can help. That's you awesome. You know, Gina, I brought some materials too because, you know, sometimes in helping a child it's really if you help the parent, you help the child, if you know what I mean by that. So if any of you parents or grandparents are starting to run into some behaviors with your kids or teens where you're like, oh boy, this isn't headed anywhere good and I'm not sure what to do, uh, come back and see me at the table and I'll give you a brochure. Um, we have some, um, there's, I'm aware of a lot of mental health services through Home for Kids or other uh, agencies, like if your kid has special needs or anything. I brought some stuff back there, so pop over and see me. But Gina, I wanted to mention something about resilience. So all children go through some pretty bad things in their lives, and some kids worse than others. But have you noticed that for some children, it just messes them up? And for other kids, they seem to just bounce back and become resilient. 
Well, researchers started noticing this and they're like, we have got to get to the bottom of this. What is going on? So they put a lot of time, energy, and money into figuring this out. And here's what they came up with. There are uh, 40 protective factors, or you and I would call them buffers, that if a child has those in their life, they are more likely to bounce back from a very difficult situation, no matter how bad, and go on to live a happy life. And that's where you and I come in. Because things that seem simple to us make a big difference, like caring for a child, just caring about their life, or being involved in some small way, or bringing a child into a spiritual community. So like if a child, if you're coming to church and a child comes and they go to the Sunday morning class or they go to youth group, this helps make them more resilient. So it's really you know, simple things like that. And Gina, I just happened to bring a list. Had no idea you were gonna ask. Just kidding. She's very sarcastic. I learned a lot from Gina. So I'm titling this, Stuff to Do with a Kid. Ready? Teach them how to do something. Fix a bike, car, computer, knit, sew, play an instrument, edit videos. Take them somewhere. Church, sporting event, concert, mall, spa. Play ball, cards, or games with them. I threw something in for the girls. Polish their nails, do their hair, makeup, how about this one? Help in the kids' ministry. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if all else fails, just use food. Bring them cookies or Taco Bell or a bag of Doritos. It doesn't matter. And then I threw in just one for your enjoyment. I'll say you're welcome ahead of time. You're welcome. Okay, have you ever gotten into a conversation with a kid? It's hysterical. Here's what I've learned just from my nieces and nephews, okay? In one conversation, my niece told me, I think my dad killed someone, but I'm not sure. She also told me her mother was pregnant when no one else knew. Um, and then with my great niece and nephew, Gina's grandchildren, an innocent conversation about Legos turned into how the Lego industry affects our economy and why it's important for Legos to continue to do well. And they both had a passionate genius, discussion <laughs> with me. And then my favorite, though, is um, I lost my dog last fall, and I was so sad. But the vet gave us this gorgeous carved wooden box for Buddy's ashes. And so Riley and Joey happened to see this box on my mantle. And they asked me what it was about, and they were just fascinated. You mean buddies in the box? How do they do that? How do they cremate him? What does he look like now? Can we see his ashes? So yeah, for your own entertainment, I hope that you will get into a conversation with a child. That and I guess yeah, and I guess all I'm asking Gina is if if people would just I'm encouraging people to just consider carving a couple hours out of their month or even for some of you out of their week to, to just help a kid. You know, and I think um, you can see from that list, it doesn't have to be something that's so extraordinarily uh, big. Do the little things, start with the little things. If you are one of the people that God is asking to go further and, and foster or adopt, 
you know, you'll, you'll get there. He'll, he'll help you get there. But talk to some of us in the lobbies about it. All right, Brent has something really, really cool to close us down with. Go ahead, Brent. Thank you. This is very short. But this is a promise that I made to my girl, Lana. And these are her words. We're all, <clears throat> we were all born as orphans because of sin, separated from our Father. But through Jesus, we are adopted into God's family to be called his sons and daughters. Children who are adopted experience in the natural what we experience in the supernatural through Jesus, love. Now, this next line that I read is totally her words, and it's to my wife and I. She said, your love for me was the closest thing to God's kind of love. It was undeserved, unconditional, intentional, and relentless. I don't think we could top that with anything. Can we give our panel a big hand? You guys have done worked so hard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, I'm going to go back to that scripture, James 1:27. Whatever we think of religion, whether good or bad, God has a type of religion that he said is pure, and it is something that is without fault, and that is to take care of the widow and the orphan, those who cannot take care of themselves. I pray that each of us, when we see a child, when we see them uh, walk in a room, that we will look in their eyes, that we will smile, that we will just ooze value towards them. I, I pray that we will never forget the stories of today. Um, and I just wonder what would it be like if each of us could see that part of the most amazing thing I could ever do to pay it forward, the God who has given me so much love, I can pay that forward by helping in children's ministry, loving children, mentoring, baking, teaching, whatever it is that you can do to enhance the life of a child, let that be on your radar because that's pure religion. And that is what our real win would be. What would it be like if everybody that attends a BC campus could have this mindset every day? How would the world change? How many of these stories would multiply in the world today? Now, I would like to talk to some of you who you have not necessarily thought of God as this image of a father who's loving. I thought uh, Lena's letter was amazing. God is a loving father. But some of you have thought of God as more of the, the guy with the lightning bolts in the sky who's looking to strike me with one because I don't do such good stuff. But God is love. The Bible says God is love. Us parents who show love to children, it's because we are borrowing that gorgeous love from God. And he wants through love to reach out to you. If he's correcting you, it's to protect you. But it's based on love. And he has made it so that you and I can 
get into a relationship with God one way. The one way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. All you have to do is allow the work that Jesus already did for you, allow that work to work on your behalf by receiving him as your Lord. And God made it simple for you in that all you have to do is pray and receive Jesus as your Lord, and then God will be your Father. So we're going to give those who are ready an opportunity to do that very thing today. We're going to all pray together, but if you have never prayed this prayer, just mean it in your heart. Follow after me with the rest of this gang, and you will be saved. You will become a child of God. So I'm going to ask that everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes and we're going to say a prayer just repeat this after me and mean it in your heart if you've never done this and you're ready to do it heavenly father i thank you for jesus for sending him to die for my sin jesus i accept you as my lord save me from my sin and bring me to my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna to talk to those who are in Boardman at TCI. You are now a child of God. Those in this room who have said that prayer for the first time, you are now a child of God. It was that simple. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.